Hello and welcome to the Genesis Man Project Podcast. Today we will be continuing with the second part of our interview with author Yahya Barua. I'll be asking him some more questions about his novel, Struggles of a Dreamer. If I were to write a book, it would feel okay. like me writing this book who, although I grew up, although I grew up in Canada, I was born in Jamaica, it would still very much feel like, you know, you know, there was a guy from Oshawa that was writing this book from North America. When I, get, when I read your book, it feels like the person who's writing it is African. This is something that I've grown, I grew up with and it's just something that became a part of who I was. Now in terms or who I am rather and who I was when I was writing the first book and in terms of the story and the way my style came to be, quite frankly, it's just something that I just wrote. You know, to this day, I can't really explain where the story mm. came from, aside from the emotional uh, drive that I had to write the book. And when I was writing the book and getting it all on paper, it's just something that just happened, you know, naturally. And I'll explain a little bit more. You know, when I was writing my book, I would stay up during the night while everybody was sleeping. And the reason for that was when I was writing the book, I kept it a secret from everybody. I didn't tell anybody about writing my book. I didn't have to deal with people um, having to tell me, like, I didn't have to deal with naysayers, tell me that my book was impossible. And considering that I haven't written the book before, I was battling with that. Can I do it? Can I not? So that's self-doubt. So when I was writing, I kept the book a secret and I was writing during the night. And I'm a person of faith, so I would pray a lot when I, before I start to write my book. And I would write the question, what did I write in my book that was so good that one million people went out and bought it? What did I write in my book? And I would just write and write that over and over. And I would just put that aside mm-hmm. and I would just write. Mm-hmm. I would just write what came to mind. So in a way, it's like, the story that I wrote in the book, in a way, is like a, a prayer, an, an answered prayer, a prayer, answer to my prayers as I wrote. So, but I would keep in mind what I wanted to write about. And I would just write based on every single experience that I've had, based on every single book that I've read. And you'll see a bit of the style from S, uh, George S. Classum, the guy who wrote The Richest Man in Babylon, and which is who is somebody who also inspired in me the idea of story within a story within a story. And um, a little bit of Think and Grow Rich, a little bit of The Alchemist and so on. So little things like that really um, helped me to develop my own style. But I never intentionally tried to develop a style. I just wrote what I felt. So mm. I just translated what I saw in my imagination on paper. So I was mm. reading a book, and as I was writing it, like you were reading a book. Mm. So it was a, a first experience for me in writing a book. I wrote a book called The Genesis Man, right. um, a portrait of, you know, of, of identity, right? Um, the masculine right. identity. And uh, that really was a culmination of a lot of years of like some ministry uh, of um, my own personal journey and um, this kind of uh, um, something that had been stewing for a very, very long time. That's how that came. Right. And so 
like with a Genesis man, which is where this is a platform that I'm going to be sharing this with. It's, uh, it's, it's about building a community of conversation and exploring uh, like a biblical portrait of masculine identity, right? Um, and so it kind of tackles men's issues and relationships. And there were many things in the book that kind of resonated or sparked towards discussions that I think I could see myself or we could see taking place on this platform. And I wanted to, I wanted to talk about one, one thing specifically. There's a quote that you, um, and I actually, I, I dog-eared the page and I circled the quote. Um, and it's a quote that talks about the differences between mom and a dad. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read what you, I'm gonna read what you wrote. Oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope my dad doesn't think I'm an evil person for writing this. That is not my intention. Look, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it anyway. Okay. Because, okay. Go ahead. Because it's something that popped out. It says, "Mothers must be God's favorite tradition." That's a quote. He thought. Whereas fathers, even though they are also caring and protect their families from harm, seem evil with their deafening yelling and their unyielding obligations to traditions that no longer have uh, meaning. So my question was, um, um, is that something your character feels um, or is it something that kind of has some personal resonance to you? It's both. It's both because it's that process where you see a character going from immaturity, lack of understanding, and a bit of lack of wisdom to having uh, at the beginning of his journey to go on his journey only to come back home to understand that his father was just being a dad. Mm. So in essence, it captures that statement that the end of a journey, the conclusion of a journey is when you come back to the place where you started your journey and get to know that same place for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So in reality, um, <clears throat> I wanted to paint a picture that Takute, being in that person, being in that place and time where he was and when he needed to make a choice to go for his dream versus stay and pursue tradition as naturally was expected of him and mm-hmm. what's comfortable for him, the only person that could understand where he was coming from and where what he was feeling was his mom. And he was mm. comfortable talking with her and she was harmless to him because she resonated. She understood where he was coming from. Mm. And because she told about the story about, she told him the story about how she wanted to be a dressmaker, you know, for yeah. weddings. You know, she wanted to be a dressmaker, but she didn't. And she regrets not doing it. And now naturally, she doesn't want her son to have to go through that. Mm -hmm. So that he derives courage from that. He's like, wait, there's somebody that relates to me, somebody who's very harnessed and deep in tradition, but has gone through what I'm going through right now. And she's my mom. Mm -hmm. So there's that courage, good versus perceived evil. Because the dad was never evil. The dad was just protecting his son. That's all his dad was doing. Mm-hmm. And the dad only communicated the best with the dad knew how, which was exactly what my dad and I uh, went through and 
to be honest, some in some degree still go through. But now mm-hmm. my dad is very more more supportive because he asks more about my business, how things go in, and so on. So the kid needed to be able to go through that phase. So that was the person that the character was before he took a chance to go for his dream. So without mm. having gone for his dream, if he st- had stayed home, he would have continued to see his dad as evil. Mm. But he needed to go for his dream to come back home to see that his dad was just being a dad and his mom was just being a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. personal for me as well because I had to go for my dream to understand that you, I had to have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. There tends sometimes to be friction between fathers and son. Um, I'm a bit of a, I like all kinds of music. I like oldies as well. There's an oldie song um, by Cat Stevens called Father and Son. Okay. Um, it's worth uh, just listening up, listening to that song. The, the lyrics are, are, it's a beautiful song, but... It really captures that um, the friction that occurs between father and son, and looking at that. looking at different points of views. Right. Um, it, it's it's actually very it's it's a, a great sign of personal growth to really understand that that you know people act from their point of view. Right. You know what I mean, and because right. you know the 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 feeling is that oh why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? Well, he could have done, you know, and, and, and as a son, sometimes I feel that as well, but really understanding, you know, the point of view that a person's coming from, not to say to excuse behavior, but to be enlightened by that, right? Do you think that the idea of following in the footsteps of your father or your family is still right. a modern day challenge? Um. <laughs> I think it's um, it's relative. Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> uh, modern or not, it's always going to be a challenge in that it's challenge if it differs from um, what somebody wants to do. It's going to be challenging because, and that's why it's a time, um, how do I say, it's a time-tested conflict. It's something that will always be mm-hmm. there. Because there's going to be a different of opinions, a different of experience. Because as individuals, we have different, we have varying degrees of social, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, financial upbringing and experiences. And it will be even more so prevalent in the children of immigrant parents, mm-hmm. you know, uh, immigrant um, you know, mothers and fathers. If you grew up in a system where you are required to do this differently because, for example, let's say you live 10 kilometers from the marketplace. When you come here where you live, let's say, two kilometers from the marketplace, the kid's perspective will be different. The tradition, to some extent, will no longer apply. They Mm -hmm. may be honored out of paying homage to that tradition, but they will not apply here because it's insignificant. Um. Because like uh, this year, this year I'm actually going to be turning fifty, right? Um, but I remember uh, growing up, my dad, my dad was a retired bricklayer, and I do remember that um, um, that I worked with him in the summers when I was a kid, like when I turned thirteen, and and um, right. in Jamaica, right? Or- no, no, in in Canada. I grew, I I was oh, born okay, in Jamaica, right. but I emigrated to Canada was, okay. when I was four. So I spent oh, okay, right. mainly all of my life as a Canadian. 
Uh, that's right. another okay. story. Another time, get a chat about about um, about really not having a cultural identity, which is kind of what I felt uh, growing up as Canadian, but having a Jamaican background, but not really feeling belonging to either. But that's that's, an, uh, that's a whole other topic. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I do remember that my dad actually wanted me to right. be a bricklayer, and you right. know, I I was just. Uh, I just, I mean, I think when I was about maybe 16, um, I just said, you know what, dad, um, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think I can work outside. <laughs> and I went and I got a job at Beaver Lumber, which is kind of like a Home Depot today. And, um, you know, we never actually ever talked about that. But, you know, I know that some fathers have this idea of father and son in terms of working, you know, so that's why I asked that question. Um, but uh, anyway, that, that, that's not big. Okay. And thank you for asking that. Nobody has ever asked me that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think what we find is that we have, a lot of people have a lot of things in common, but we just don't right. ever really talk about it. A lot of oh, things yeah. are just kind of there. And I, I hope that with this Genesis Man platform, we will start to, you know, be inspired to talk about these conversations. I guess my question is that, um, and I think I already know the answer to this, um, whether, like, how strongly is this story about you in terms of this idea of relationships and reconciliation between, like, fathers and sons? Is that something that, uh, that is personally part of your story? as well as the character in, in your book? Uh, yes, it is. And um, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about having to leave home only to come home to no home for the first time. Mm. You know, when I was writing the book, I, I, and as you've noticed in the book itself, there's a lot of anger and resentment towards who I thought my dad was being. And you'll see that in the book itself, the father uh, appeared to be an antagonist towards uh, the son or the son saw his father as the biggest antagonist. And um, it's, I think it's something that was um, a profound experience for me when I was writing the book. Um, it reflected what I had to go through when I was writing the book. Just when I went to conclude the book, I didn't know how I was going to conclude it. I had um, a seminar with a friend who a friend of mine had a personal development seminar on um, he, it's all about like personal relationships and whatnot and how it can affect, you know, different parts of your life, your career, your health and what wellness and so on. And out of that came the realization that my dad really was not against me going for my dream when he mm -hmm. said, go to school, don't write a book as I've heard it at the time, which isn't what he said. Um, he would just say what I understood from that later on as a result of that friend um, was that my father was just saying, we sacrificed way too much to come here for you to just throw it up all away, you know? Mm. And that was him coming from that point of view that, you know, I'm afraid that you may not make the best of your um, opportunity that you have here. You know, and and then out of that, I understood that, you know what, my dad really isn't against me. He just wants the best for me as I do for myself. So 
out of that came the alignment that my dad was just being a dad. And I understood that our goals were actually in alignment. We want the same thing for ourselves as I did, as I wrote in the preface, saying our goal were in perfect alignment. You know, that led me to conclude the book that I, the way I did, where the son meets a chief who tells him that he needs to go back home to, recon- to reconcile with his dad mm-hmm. or else he will be in great regret. So I wanted to pow- emphasize the fact that, you know, it's important, one, to have forgiveness towards a person, towards oneself and mm-hmm. towards um, somebody else. And also it's also important to seek forgiveness as well, no matter how afraid you may be. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's also something that is very necessary to do um, to be able to, uh, to live from reality rather than live off of perception of what you think the reality is. So, yeah, I don't know if I've hit your question yeah. here. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah but the character had to go back home. So mm-hmm. hence, coming full circle, he had to leave home to get to know home for the first time by coming back home. Mm-hmm. Um, Otherwise, there wouldn't be reconciliation. It would just be resentment. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely would say that um, I, I picked up on some of those themes of reconciliation through the book and watching the character develop and that journey of the character. You ended off like everything with these six rules. Right. Uh, so you talked about that and went through the different six rules. So it was almost like a sitting down it almost seemed a lot like the book of proverbs in a sense there's that feeling to to this um you know to these 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 ways and these wisdom and these wisdom principles to live by you call them the six rules um and uh uh and they're very interesting and i'm i'm wondering um uh where do those rules six rules come from was it something that's like kind of passed down is it is it um, like is it like a proverbs type of a thing? Is it a cultural type of a thing? Where do you, where did you get these six rules? Uh, they came from personal experience, but also I came from uh, learning a lot. And I guess you could also say they were of, uh, a foreshadowing of some of the things that I would really come to know very, very deeply as I set out on my journey as a novelist. So there's a gentleman, Maxim Withers, who is a four-time uh, squash champion, and uh, he's also a mentor of my brothers and I, and he really helps us to develop the mental uh, fortitude in the way of being an entrepreneur. Like, for example, understanding principles of success and how to internalize it into your life and through him we were able to study think and grow rich uh, which is one of the top personal development books you know of all time and um i got to internalize a lot of this things you know just by studying from study and from also learning and applying different things for example having um gone door to door to start my power washing business having tried to start um, an indoor advertising company and failed because she was not something I was interested in. And um, so different things. And also having heard and listened to so many successful people uh, mm. speak, it was a lot of 
those knowledge that we just repeated over and over and over. And you, you learn by repetition and it's just something that became a part of who I was. So whenever I go to write, I don't think, I just write. So what came out of me were these things. And when I go to write my book, I usually just list and I'll show you, for example, I write all of my books longhand. And this is the first, this is a small snippet of my first book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is, show you very quickly. And this is, for example, my third book. So mm-hmm. I write all of my books by hand and I would just list, you know, different words, for example, like persistence or definiteness or purpose. And I would just write stories about those things. And that will help me to structure my stories because I don't work with backbones and so on. But then all of these things, it just, they came together in a way that um, they came together because I was drawing from the experiences that I've learned and what I was going through as a person. So in the first book, I wrote about what I had learned and what I had experienced. And in the second book, you see that even more defined because I lived those things even more deeply. So in a sense, I became even more matured as I got to know those uh, success principles. So I learned from experience and I learned from people's experience. And that's how I came about to uh, share those wisdom. One of the, I want to share with you one of the quotes that I find most interesting that, that I like. I actually wrote that down. And it said that generous is a tongue of lifelong experience for it loves to wag. So yeah. generous is a tongue of lifelong experience for it loves to wag. And yes. that kind of, that kind of um, actually quite brilliantly like sums up what you were just saying about learning from other people and learning those experiences. Um, and by, by learning from those experiences of other people, you have something to share with someone else within your right. own experience, right? Right. It's like, so. how do you say, tell me where I'm going to die so I don't go there. Wow, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the thing I found that a lot of people, you know, who are very successful or are learning or wise people, and I say people who are very successful, I don't mean people who are, you know, uh, necessarily um just financially successful, people who are successful raising a family, people who are successful in the marriages, you know, success is different, has mm-hmm. many different variations. But I find that people who have experienced things are always willing to share. They will speak for hours without realizing it. And that's what I mean by the beauty of experience. And that's what I wanted to capture throughout mm-hmm. the book in itself. Again, to add to the question you asked me earlier, story within a story. Life is life within a life within a life. You know, mm-hmm. you meet different people, whether verbally or non-verbally, they tell you a story, whether it lasts a millisecond, you know, let's say they cut you off in traffic. That's a story. That's a lesson. Or where did they have tea with you and share with you and have and share with you experience mm. about what they wish they didn't do or what they wish they did or what they what they did do. But it's just something that I find really fascinating. And that's why I and my fiance, we love to talk to like, you know, older individuals because they have the best stories. This is the last thing, and then and then we're okay. probably almost out of time here. 
but okay. perhaps the most important question. Are you, are you ready for it? Okay. I'm nervous. I'm kidding. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Ah! It's <laughs> <laughs> going someplace. Come oh on God. now. Honestly, I'm just gonna go with Marvel because okay. I like black. I'm just gonna go with Black Panther. That um, is because... that is my last question. Let me stop you. That is my last question. The last question okay. is: right. Is Black Panther an African hero to the level that he is in North America? Really? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I. I'm gonna be honest. I like Black Panther because of Chadwick Boseman. He's my favorite actor, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite frankly, I like him because of the person that he is and principles that he lives by. He mm. won't take a role that isn't for him, that doesn't meet his principles. And that's the kind of person I want to be in life. Mm. Yeah. To live by my principle, even if I lose $10 million. I'm okay with yeah. that. And, um, but I would say that. I think it's something that captures everybody, like mm. not just Africans, to be honest. And funny enough, I actually watched Black Panther in theaters in Nigeria. Yeah, and, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it just so happened. I never planned it. Yeah. I watched it in Nigeria, in Kano State, in northern Nigeria. And um, I feel like the enthusiasm is the same everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's just not you know, a story that resonated with just people of African descent, but mm. something that resonated with everybody, the story of the underdog who rises to become who they are. But the underdog is just, they are great in themselves. They need no comparison to anybody else. It's mm. like Wakanda. They have the technology. They didn't need to get it from outside, but also they didn't want to share it either because mm. they didn't need to. Yeah. So it's something that we can all relate to that the desire to be fully self-fulfilled, but also interact with everybody else. So it's mm -hmm. like, there's that struggle to want to share the technology, but also just keep it to yourself. I mean, just mm. the option of choice. And I think the, that's the most powerful part of it. Mm -hmm. But I like the story because of the character that played it, quite frankly, because he's the kind of person that I want to be. Mm. quite frankly and um, I respect him for the man that he is mm. he well, didn't do it for the money he did it because of the principles uh, Yahaya um, it has been uh, amazing having this conversation with you um, thank you thank you very much for having me no problem um, I, I am going to go back and go review it um, okay. check out the audio uh, okay I don't know. If we're, we might have to do this all over again. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine with me. Let's do it. Um, I would love to. I would love to um, uh, to connect again, and, okay. um, and and you know, this is how we learn. This is how we grow. Uh, this is how we share experience. You know, right. this is how we create a community of discussion, and that's right. that's kind of uh, where where I'm going with uh, the Genesis Man. Um, okay. with this website and, and everything like that. And I wanted to add one last thing. And uh, for the listeners uh, who are on this call, I thank you as well. But if you are interested in purchasing a copy of Struggles of a Dreamer, you can do so at strugglesofadreamer.com. And if I want to share one lesson is 
to always remember um, you matter. Thank you so much for tuning into the Genesis Man Project podcast. It's been a great conversation with author Yahaya Burua. I want to thank him for taking the time out to participate in this discussion. Also, thanks to Isabella Harriet for arranging and composing today's music. This is Israel Harriet saying goodbye and stay tuned for our next project. <laughs>